We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Tuple still on as Arsenal once again blow past Liverpool in the competition that matters. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. Look, okay, we didn't beat them in the Premier League or whatever they're calling it. I don't, I don't know. But Charity Shield, you bet your ass we did. League Cup, uh-huh. That's right. Knocked them out again. So when it's the stuff that matters, that's when we show up. A dominant performance that led to us embarrassing Liverpool on their ground. Okay, maybe not exactly, but we did knock them out. Uh, we did get to see Ainsley Maitland-Niles do his ASMR video, also known as a penalty kick. Uh, you could just watch that on repeat to lull you into sleep if you are uh, someone who struggles with sleep. And uh, he should bottle that and sell it because he'd be a billionaire. Uh, and then he wouldn't have to worry about transfers or new contracts or playing time or anything because he'd be like Matthew Flamini. He'd be running a pharmaceutical company made up entirely of bottled versions of him taking a penalty kick. So I don't know that this is going anywhere productive. So let's move on. Pause on Twitter. Pause in my pants. Hello, pause. Woohoo! ASMR on- is Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. If I want information, I will get it from Google. Paul's on. Uh, Paul. Paul just did his thing. Clive's on Twitter. Yeah. Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, indeed. Um, Clive and I tried something new. Uh, we did a scouting video. We watched a video together. You can watch the video, and you'll see our faces in a little corner as we watch clips of uh uh who Husam Awar. I believe that's it. Husam Awar, right? Husam, Howsam, Husam. Who's Sam Awar? Who's Sam Awar? 
Uh, but but point is, uh, excellent player, Clive, and I really enjoyed watching that and scouting him. And Clive gave his uh, brilliant insight that is available to patrons. You can go and and you can listen to it as a podcast, or you can literally watch along and see the clips and see what we are uh, discussing as we watch it. And I, I thought there there were some really enlightening things there. One of which is just like. He'd probably be, technically speaking, the best player at the club tomorrow if he arrived. Um, but that's okay. He's going to PSG, so no big deal. I kid. I kid. We're getting him. I believe it. I believe we're getting him. We'll probably talk about the rumors of a Saliba loan. We're going to talk a little buying and selling, just generally, philosophically, as Liverpool once again seem to get a king's ransom for the players they don't need. I guess that is the halo effect of winning everything, but not the League Cup, because we're winning that. So we're going to start with that. And Paul, um, I have to admit, I think... Arteta got some things right here, principally the rotational aspects of this. But I think what's really interesting, he picks Shaka and Ceballos in midfield. He picks Pepe to start. And I think we're all kind of trying sort of to look into his selections and see who is forming the, the foundation of his first choice. So I guess what I'm wondering is, where you think this selection points in terms of first choice? Would you say that Elneny was rested as he now has cemented his place as a first choice midfielder? Or more that maybe Arteta wanted another look at this duo, get Ceballos uh, just a little more match fit because he sees this, at least barring any major signing, as our, our first choice double pivot? Uh, I couldn't read anything too hard and fast into it. I think it's a mix of all sorts of things. I could see why Danny would start. A, he ended the... Liverpool game really strongly, um, plus the fact that he didn't start at Liverpool might be the fact related to the fact that he's still not at the hundred percent level in terms of match, fit, match fitness, match sharpness. Well, you could have fooled me at the end of the Liverpool game, um, and it was kind of his turn, and uh, you know maybe he wanted to see uh, Chaka plus uh, Danny. In the Liverpool context, though, of course, this is quite a different context. Arteta himself kind of com- compared progress versus the Monday night game, but I don't think you really can. I, I definitely think the are playing a consistent style and pushing on and kind of uh, uh, bravery under fire against Liverpool is is an additional coat of paint that's good for our team and good for the psychology, but I don't think you can actually plot uh, progress by looking at the two games. Uh, for obvious reasons, it wasn't the same Liverpool, and that's essential. It might not have been our A team um, just because it wasn't their B team, but that doesn't make it some version of what happened Monday night. So I guess it's some version, but no, but nothing you can extrapolate. Um so, you know, I, didn't, I don't think I read too much into any of the selections apart from some people needed game time that didn't play on Monday, but he needed a few people to make it all hang together, a bit like Liverpool did with starting Van Dijk and mm. Mo Salah. Uh, you just need a certain number of key individuals to be able to play the style of football that's meaningful, and I think we had that. Um, I, did, I don't think I saw any significant... Uh, inclusion or exclusion apart from I was bit, uh, I may not have kept up on this but I wasn't sure why ne- Reese Nelson wasn't playing um, and didn't really feature that was the one that kind of caught my eye maybe he has a niggle or something but that confused me Everything he has a little else, bit lone upcoming niggle <laughs> yeah exactly 
So there was for me there was significance in that, and of course, you know, the other guys like Terrera, Genduzzi, we know shit's going on there, <clears throat> so we kind of get that. I, I just I didn't read too much into the uh, the lineup. I thought it was. I mean, the one thing I'll say about the Carabao Cup, um, in terms of how seriously you take it, is what they need to do is make it that like the loser goes on to the next round, and the the winner leaves the competition. That way, everybody plays their first team, or at least the 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 team who wins can default out of the competition and uh, push the other suckers to have to play the next round. So it's kind of once the game starts, everybody takes it seriously. Before that, you're just kind of positioning yourself to be good enough to perform in the competition and for it to be meaningful on the day. So. Know. Yeah, and to be fair, let's let's be honest. Like we still have a quintuple to play for, and Liverpool don't. And so yeah. you know, yeah. their season already kind of circling the drain in, I, I guess, well, late September, early October. Whereas you know, we still have something special to strive for, and I, I think that that difference may be something that you can point to, uh, Clive. I, I was not happy with this performance generally. I thought it was basically pretty trash, especially in the second half. But like. We knocked them out. The penalties were fun. I just don't want to lean into that, at least at the start. We can get to some of the concerns. So um, let, let's have some positives up front for a game that we did ultimately wind up coming through successfully. Um, and I, I think a couple of the positives you can point to are a few of the younger players. Let, let's highlight one that I think we have a lot of curiosity about. Joe Willick was deployed in an interesting position I will raise my hand and say I'm not sure what Arteta was going for in this game with Pepe on the left. Maybe he felt our left side bias and build up is so strong that if we get him over there, maybe we can get him more involved. But to me, it was like putting Iron Robin on the left. Like he just so clearly wants to cut inside onto his left. And when he's on the outside, he 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 can't really cut in. So I, I thought that was tricky, but but it gave Willick an interesting role. I'm not totally sure if this was 4-4-2 at times or 4-2-2-2 at times and sometimes a 4-2-3-1. Like anything under Arteta, it was fluid. But I thought Willick had some moments where he flashed. Um, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. That totally came off for him, admittedly. And Cedric not being, uh, what's what's the phrase, good at football, I don't think helped Willick's side. Uh, but enough about Cedric. What do you think, Joe, of this Joe Willick performance? And generally, I think two sort of bright performances now this season so far that I'll admit for a guy that I was kind of ready to move on from maybe is a little more encouraging, possibly. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, game actually, I, I, I was I really enjoyed it. I don't know why people seem here, quite here. negative. I looked at us and I looked at the screen and I thought, I love. You have to remember, Liverpool are an incredibly fit, fiery team. They move around the pitch really well, and I've spent many many years recently watching us lose athletic races all over the pitch, and um, and I'm looking at the pitch now and I'm thinking, yeah, we look okay, we look competitive. I don't think it lasts as long as I'd like. But when we start the game, we look sharp, we look quick, we look, we, we've got our distances much better, we have a structure, we have fluidity. And I really liked it. And I'm watching it thinking, this is all right. But the, the, where I'm coming from is, I'm starting to recognise the team on the pitch. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing people do certain things. I can almost read what they're going to do. And I can read when we're going to go short. I can read the plan out from the back. I can read when we're going to fade it over the top. If anything, it's really becoming quite clear how we're playing. And it's really, you know, the patterns are really becoming I'm becoming used to them. And that's with two teams in three or four days, you know, and how we're sharing roles, sharing the midfield positions, three for two in there, making sure we share the minutes. So I don't think there's any more than that. 
he did a similar job in slightly different ways. And if anything, I'm looking at this and thinking, okay, how can this get better? And I'm looking at the range of passing, and I think, you know what, we need better passes. And I don't mean short passes. I mean the ability to manipulate the ball and and drift a medium to long ball. I don't think we have great range in our team. That's why we're so reliant on David Luiz and potentially Gabriel. You know, so I want to see different ranges of passing. With Willock, going back to your point, um, I see a player that is a bit of a utility player, another one, developing his position, developing his role, plays good football, sees the game, does one good thing, one bad, but looks like a Premier League level player. He needs to develop into be a top six, top four player, and that's still to come. I don't know if you noticed or felt it, guys, that we we are we are left sided team anyway, but we were incredibly left sided this team. Mm-hmm. Yep. And with Willock's natural tendency to to be even narrower than William, there were times when Cedric got the ball on the right hand side and there was nobody there. Not there's no crowd there anyway, but there's nobody. Maybe they're just scared of getting like whatever it is he has that makes you bad at football, like that it would rub off no, on them if I they were. I mean, you, it's a joke. It's a I joke. You, yeah. he, hit a, he scored his uh, penalty beautifully, uh, and I love Cedric, and before, I always have. Before I let Paul get you on that, because Paul watched it, and I know he's going to. Cedric did fine. He, he's yeah. not a bad player. He yeah. is not a bad player you. at all. Brilliant, yeah, brilliant yeah. acquisition. Yeah. Couldn't be happier about it, frankly. Yeah, well, we well he might be deal. a bad acquisition, but he's not. I'm, and he's don't not don't the let me rope you player. into this nonsense, you guys. Be above me. Come on, you're better than this. <laughs> you didn't leave um, a lot of room. <laughs> Never do. <laughs> exactly. I'll let Paul get you on that later. <laughs> so, um, and so, yeah, I, he was just incredibly narrow, but he's got the leg to get back out there. And so, yeah, I'm, I'd like to see. I don't know what he is yet. I'm watching him play, I'm watching him do be a little bit more secure. I don't know what he is yet, and I don't know how we're going to use him. Isn't he interesting, Clive, in the sense that uh, the crosses he put in were almost like from Liverpool areas? It was kind of withdrawn a little bit. He, he I mean, he had a couple of duff crosses. He also had a couple of absolute uh, zingers into the area, but from deeper than, say, Saka would cut him in. Saka kind of puts him in square. Tierney would tend to put them in square. But Liverpool style, Suarez banged them in from maybe kind of a quarter notch down the pitch. So you have these angle curving crosses. They were kind of interesting. And what I like about him, he's not passive. And yeah. so when he plays, he's not scared. He doesn't, he sort of tries stuff. He lets, he, he, he tries to make things happen. He's quite proactive and he's not scared to make a mistake. And People are scared to make a mistake. They don't go looking for the ball. He goes looking for the ball. He goes looking for events. He goes looking for action. And that eventually will lead to some end product. You know, so I quite like his athleticism, obviously. And yeah, I don't know what he is yet. So I'm not about to put him in the box. But while he's developing, he doesn't let anybody down. So I, I quite I quite like him. I'm just not quite sure of his pathway. That's something that I'll need to get better at full stop developing pathways for players. Part of the way you develop pathways, to be fair, is you sell players who aren't going to hit the level that's required, and you don't acquire players who block their path. And I would argue, Clive, and this is maybe another segment, that we have not been great at either of those things. Um, Agreed. Agreed. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, for example, I really like Eddie Nketiah. Do we think Eddie Nketiah's level is going to get us where we need to be? Because if not, should that pathway go to Balogun now to take his shot at getting us where we need to be? As we move on in Kedia for twenty million, uh, you know, fifteen million. I, I don't know, and and I want to be clear. Like, 
I'm not the smartest in the room. I'm not the person who knows the answer to these questions. I think these are uncomfortable questions because in general, as fans, we're very attached to our players. And by the way, sometimes we ridicule that. Oh, you don't want to sell anybody. You're attached to the players. If you love players who pull on an Arsenal shirt, good for you. Like that's that's a, a really nice quality to have as a, you know, supporter of a football club. I, I think... Above that level, though, for the people running the club, there does have to be the ability to, de- to detach. You know, there were a lot of people that didn't want to sell Awobi. There are people who right now say Awobi would make us better. We made a lot of money on the Awobi sale and opened a pathway to Saka, which we're weirdly blocking by playing Oba on the left. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The point is, like, you open these pathways one of two ways. You either don't acquire middling players who block them, or you sell on players who probably won't quite hit the level and open that pathway to them. Um, I, I'm, you know, and and I'm not certain we've done a great job of that. But but let's not come to that yet. I mean, um, Paul, you know, another player who popped for me in this game, and I just, I think if you said Elliot, what's going to be the dead horse that you beat this season? And there are so many of them. I am they they call me Slayer of Horses, Slayer of Dead Horses. Frankly, um, I think it might be that. If we there's are a word not, for, there's a word for people who are overly fascinated with dead horses. I don't know, but I've seen the play Equus. Um, okay. That's overly fascinated with different things. Anyway, the the point is that like I I think my thing this season is that we should be doing everything in our power to get uh, Bukayo Saka on the pitch and on the pitch mm. at left wing if possible in the attack in the final third, either as like a left sided eight or a left wing. This is a guy who can raise our ceiling. You know. I'm, I know I hammer on about this, but like we have players who we know who they are. We know who Shaka is, right? He's not changing. We know who some of our defenders are. We know, um, you know, who Lacazette is. We have a pretty good idea who Aubameyang is, and he does have a high ceiling. Saka's a guy that can elevate our ceiling, and I think in terms of what he can do, uh, watching the the um, Hussam Awar clips with, with Clive, you see the similarity to Saka. Technically capable, can get by a guy and keep him on his back and, and has a final ball both... To, to supply his teammates and, and also has a shot on him. Like, I I want this player on the pitch. And, and, you know, Paul, for as much as we try to, like, see what's good about Maitland-Niles and see what's good about Willock and see what's good about Enkedia, and I'm, and I'm not saying we're wrong about those things, you don't have to see what's good about Saka. You know what I mean? He smacks you in the face with it. Yeah. His level of talent, kind of like Martinelli, doesn't need to be debated. It's just there. So did he pop again for you in this game? And, and are you with me that, like, finding a way to get him into the right positions on the pitch this season is something we really need to prioritize. Uh-huh. I, uh, oh, by the way, your confidence is really rattled on saying who's on saying who Sam O'War, isn't it? Well, Even- what's funny is before the pod off mic, I was like, is it how Sam or who's And we all agreed it was who And then I couldn't remember which we agreed it was. <laughs> and so now I'm really struggling with it. Having yeah. done an and entire I don't think it's important it. what it's supposed to be. It's just, what are we going with? And, and we're going with Hussam Awar. I yeah. mean, God Hussam, knows how Hussam he Awar. pronounces yep. our name. All right, yeah. moving on. Because um, <laughs> yeah, he no, may I be think, moving on as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think the Saka one is is the, uh, is the apropos, right? He's the one out of all of these guys who are on the bubble in terms of talent. He's the one where, where it's, he's kind of the litmus case for Arteta involving our talent and our youth because... He's just ready. He's ready to go. Uh, on the other hand, Arteta's comments on him are very strong about what he brings to the team, his his decision-making, his vision, uh, kind of knowing what to do in the area, the, the area of the pitch. You would have to say that we have the most trouble between the lines. The guy 
who can make something happen between midfield uh, and and quite frankly, from our defensive line, because that's so often where we build play from, you need that guy who can get between the lines and make something happen, especially because we're kind of predictable. We're very good at this playing out from the back, but they know what's coming. We're either going to do that other thing where we slog our way up the sides or we're going to kind of stake the goat out in the middle of the a clearing in the jungle and invite the tiger to come for us and see if we can survive the tiger attack. And if we can, great, we pulled all of Liverpool onto our back line and then up the sides. And we've Love got a run special effects there. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a really good, sh- you know, so people kind of, even though you can't defend against it when it works really well, because they've, they've, they kind of cleared out their back lines, they kind of know what's coming. So we're on the pitch until we get Hussam Awar. Um, do we get that? The, the joker, the card. I mean, we're not playing Pepe at the moment. Um, and we never really fully managed to integrate him yet. So it's basically Saka or bust. And uh, and yet it, there's, there's no easy path to get him into the, the game. Um, except when we play him as a wing back be, behind um, our old buddy, uh, Obama Yang, but but that's going to become troublesome because I don't think Tierney is our left centre back for the whole season. He might be right now, but as soon as we decide Gabriel is ready for prime time as left centre back, um, then or uh, God forbid we switch formations to for the back, we're going to have real trouble getting Saka into the team, um, and we already struggle a bit to get him into the team as it is. And he's kind of like the first in the line of all those guys that by far the closest to, to just been a straight out starter. I mean, he's starter level. You maybe wouldn't start him every game cause he's still at that age where you got to manage them. Maybe you're starting him kind of two out of three or three out of five, something like that. But it feels at the moment we'd struggle to get him into one out of three as a starter. Mm. Uh, because Obama Yang plays there, and the, the, you know we've got quite a lot of related issues. We're pretty stacked on the wings. It's hard to see how he gets into the team as a three three out of four games starter. Um, and yet he's the only player we currently own who can do what he does: sitting sitting between the lines, making stuff happen, giving the uh, causing problems for for the opposition. Uh, the other thing I'd say is I think. Um, harking back to what Clive said and maybe uh, the, the, the bit I threw in at the start about Arteta taking this game very seriously as a kind of a further evolution of our capabilities um, you know that m- maybe this match didn't warrant it and the opposition don't justify it but I think Clive's exactly right and it, it, it echoes Arteta's point that you can see a style of play we're committing to and we're continuing to evolve and yeah I I did kind of enjoy this game for whatever reasons. I'm still scratching my head on it, but I straight up enjoyed it. Um, I thought there were interesting performances in there, even if we weren't great. But most of all, I think I like the fact that I recognize what we're doing as Clive talked to. There, there's a very, very consistent way forward. Uh, there's a structure. There's a way of playing. And that was apparent even in this greatly changed team. So, yeah, I, I definitely related to that from from Clive. The one thing I, I got to add one more thing, cause I'm about to go here. 
this thing where you had your scouting thing without me and it was just you and Clive, that's absolute bullshit. Which one of us got on Y Scout and burned up the whole subscription watching videos on an hour to the point that Clive couldn't even get onto it? Yeah, I mean, it's what happens when you return the car with no gas in it. You don't get to drive the car next time. <laughs> like, okay, that's just it should have been me. Yeah. When do we get our next allotment, it's, by the way? It's called I learning personal responsibility. Uh, yeah. I'll give you a credit card when you show me you can handle it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Uh, okay, pause on Twitter, pause my pants. Sorry we got to lose you so quick, man, but I assure you Clive and I will have a fantastic conversation without you. Uh, all right. Bye, Cheers, everybody. Take care. Woo-hoo. Okay, so Clive, I mean, well, well let's let's – I don't want to cut you out of the conversation on Saka. I don't want to like overemphasize this, but I mean, do you do you feel that I'm on to something here? I mean, look, I guess where this conversation steers at some level is at at some point you can explain to me why Aubameyang moved over to the left, and I can totally understand it. I can see the logic. I can see why it was done. I'm not going to sit here and pretend it was just shit from the beginning and we never should have done it. I do think there are times where you can look at how things are being done at a club and say you're being too clever by half. And at this point in time, with Lacazette's form sort of being what it is, and you could say his form, he's scoring every game. You get my point. Um, With Saka being a player that we really want to develop and looking like a really good candidate for a left-wing role. And I think with Aubameyang being marginalized, being uh, a little bit less connected to the games recently this season... And with a lot of our future still committed to him, that the time has come to say whatever the uh, um, usefulness of, of Oba left was, whatever the utility of that setup was, that now we have transitioned, and you can put Oba central and Willian or Pepe right and Saka left, and just get a look at that—a more natural setup. Am, am I being reactionary just because I'd like to see Oba central? I mean, for me, the the. Reasons why we didn't do it, I know why we didn't, but I think they've changed, and I think our needs as a, as a team and our squad composition has changed. So does Saka's evolution require us to make that switch? Because it seems like Aubameyang is blocking a natural pathway there. Yeah, I don't think Saka's quite there yet. And although you think he's a left winger, I disagree. I think he will end up being a, a left eight at some point. Um, I bet he's someone who can play left wing or left wing back. I don't think there's any rush. And for me, he's, he's, you know, he, I thought he played a great game against Leicester. I thought he started this game well. But my lasting memory was his last 10 minutes. He still has many occasions where he gets stiff-legged and he gets cramp. Remember the Chelsea goal last year when, they, when he got cramp late in the game and couldn't quite catch up? And he does this quite a few times. He doesn't quite finish game strong. He's a young man that's still developing. Right, and we have to be patient, you know. He has some very bright moments, and he's got a single-digit squad number. He's going all the way. There's no problem with that. But he's still young, and, and we can wait. I think there's a tendency sometimes for us to force our first 11s in front of our eyes, and we expect them to be there every single week. It's not humanly possible anymore. Um, I, I agree with that, not... but can, do you mind if I just push back on one thing there, Clive? Because I, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with you. But this isn't a case of some weeks... It's Oba Central and Saka left in some games. Like, Oba is always left wing. Like, other than games like this where he's just fully rested, that's his position. So this isn't a case of sometimes it's this and sometimes it's that. It's always this. You know what I mean? Yeah. We we use we use that part of the pitch as our forward part of the pitch. Mm-hmm. And we underpin him with runners. He hasn't got to run back too much. And we zigzag down the pitch. And then we end up finishing there. 
not so much at centre forward, although he's got the freedom to move into centre forward. And that's what he's very good at. He's a freestyle runner. He, he gets in, you know, he, if he can see the pitch, he, he can reach the areas he needs to reach. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't, in my mind, I want what you want. But I can't say this isn't working for Bamiyang. He's, he's scoring goals. There are days, I think, Liverpool away on, on the, um, is it the Monday? Sorry, <laughs> on the Monday night. I thought that game, in hindsight, was perfect for, for him to play at centre-forward. Um, and I think we should have spotted the fact that they're pushing up and we should have used them in that way. I thought the value of a family, I saw your Lacazette in small spaces coming back to goal, setting the play. I thought that value was minimal compared to what we could have done if we stretched them. And that could have created space to play. So it's just a hindsight thing. I thought it's interesting that he slightly tweaked it, made some adjustments, a bit more aggressive in this game. And we used Pepe in the striker role. And the striker role now is from the left. Differences with Pepe is when he's on his left side, he will be an assist merchant. Right? Well, he, he can't cut inside. Did, did, did you think yeah. he, he looked a little restrained because of that? Like, I thought he looked like a player whose brain was broken at times because you could see that his instincts to cut inside, but then he's like, oh, I don't have a right foot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, it was a challenge for him. And I and I thought this is a, you know, people are going to realize the benefit of this game in the next few games because I think he needed that 90 minutes. He needed that time on the pitch. He needed to be tired. He needed to work himself back to a level. That game, that's a that's a that's a stake in the ground game. That is that is minutes in the bank. And let's keep him on. Let's work him. Let's work him hard. Let's make him work because he needs to get to the physical level that he was at towards the end of last season. Because that's gone. That's disappeared. He doesn't seem to be physically developing as I'd hoped he would do. I thought his shape may change slightly, become a little bit stronger, a bit more core stability. And he, and he hasn't done. So they've got to do it on the pitch. So he needs these games. He needs lots of 90 minutes. And then he'll get there. You know, he seems to be touch wood. He doesn't have many injuries. He just needs time on the pitch to get him to the power that he needs. And I think he's perfect for the right-hand side. And I think he does. He offers exactly what we need. He just needs to be more impactful, more influential. And so we're developing a style here. I don't agree with all parts of it. I don't think a player screaming at the door to say we should change it. You know, it's just there's nobody quite there yet to say we have to do this now. Right now, if we do buy this a while ago, I think if we saw yesterday and we were doing the video, he potentially could play that left role in some games very easily off the left hand side with his right foot coming in. And that suddenly changes things. That could be a front three, a different front three in a different shape. The four three three, which I think we're heading towards a back four quite quickly, because I don't think I think there's one player that is screaming loud to get in the team, and it's Gabriel. I think he is screaming so loud, he has to play. That's going to force us into a decision. You know, how do we want to play at the back? Because he can't do the hybrid role like Tierney does in the three. That means we're into a four. So, and that means Tierney's on the outside into a four. Maybe David Luiz right and a half. What would you say this formation was if you had to pick one? Because I, I mean, at times it was a four three three. At times it was a four two three one. A four two two. Like you, you know, yeah. four four two. <laughs> Just think about it based on on phases of game, right? So there were times we were four, one four two three one, and you look at the screen. Sometimes you you see Saka on the outside, just you know, in the back five in the line. And so I keep coming back to the channels. We tried to get five channels in attack. We tried to get five channels in defence. We transition various shapes to get to that. 
depending on the game state. So I've seen it a lot. I've seen it a lot now. Five channels in defence, five channels in attack. How we get there is is the is the trick, and what we use to get there is the trick, and how we progress the ball, and that varies depending on the people we have on the pitch. And ball progression is. I'm, I'm talking to you now. I'm sure you know this because you're the numbers guy. Well, ball I'm not the numbers guy. I just like read what other numbers guys say, and then I say that to try to sound like I know what I mean. So, yeah. <laughs> I try not. I don't. I try not to read numbers too much. I just try to to talk, and the guys on Discord will tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, all you have to do is check the Discord, and you'll know if you said something that wasn't right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But my feeling is, I'm I'm really looking at our progression at the moment because I think we are. Technically improving in the bottom end. We're developing patterns of play. And I see chances to go forward. Yeah, I see limits in the players that are due to make those passes. And I'm really keen on Shaka, actually, at the moment. Are we moving past him? Because, look, I know he's never been a favorite of mine, but I will acknowledge there were times when Shaka was a, you know, an above-average player who just had a ceiling. I'm starting to think that the things that were good about Shaka's game are becoming fewer and further between. I mean, is there an argument that for one reason or another, Shaka's time at Arsenal might be fading? Because I, you know, I look at this game, Clive, they started Jones, Grujic, Grujic, and Wilson in midfield. They had two, three 19-year-olds in their starting 11, two of them in the back line, one in the midfield. Um, You know, this is Liverpool at Anfield, but this isn't Liverpool at Anfield. It's Minamino and Grujic and Wilson and Jones and Williams and Williams and Milner and... um, you know, this is a game where Granite Shack is sort of the senior leader, a former captain. There's some young players in the team. You want to see him get his foot on the ball and kind of impose himself. I know he's not an impose himself kind of player, but you're not facing standard Liverpool. And I, I just again felt it was a game where Shaka was, you know, a, a, a C plus, maybe even a C minus. And like, if he can't do it in a game like this, you know, with senior leadership and skill, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm having a hard time articulating what I'm trying to say other than, to play the way we want to play, I feel we're starting to move past Granite Shaka. Is that is that too too much too um, soon? Um, not necessarily. I've I've never got on the Shaka bandwagon. Never, not even when he threw his shirt down. You know, I I, I kept my counsel in the main. He's not. It wasn't the greatest thing to do. That was obvious. No, no need to kill the guy. It could have been other reasons for that in the background, etc., which came out. And so I was never on this. I always looked at him and thought, okay, we're asking him to do too much. He has weaknesses when he's asked to do too much because he'll try to do it because he's a he's a he's a he's a proud strong man. He wants to win. He's a he leads by example. He's a he's a natural born leader, right? So and he wants the people to follow him. But what I'm seeing now is some slick ball movement. But when the ball gets to him, my I look at it and I go, mm, can you get it out your feet? Can you get it out your feet? Can you fade it over the top? Can you can you, oh you've been tackled. And I see too many things breaking down on him. And I find myself worried that you might get pressed off the ball. You might turn the wrong way. So I see a pattern developing. So what I'm seeing now is uh, as, as excited as I am to see a defined arsenal on the pitch, what this does do is it starts to highlight our limits of certain people that can't keep it going, you know, can't develop the next phase. And I, I, I posted a video of Mark Rocker last night after the game it's not because I think he's going to come to Arsenal. I don't think he will. But he he has got the passing range that Shaka used to have. I think he's lost a lot of his range. He's lost a lot of his power in passing. He is not getting the ball where he used to as quickly. And he's not fizzing it like he used to. 
he's still working hard. He's still putting out fires. He's still putting in blocks. He's still by far the most conscientious of our midfielders. He really is. But technically, I think he's dropped off a step. And I think I really do think that. It's not to criticise him. He's just been highlighted by the slickness of our ball movement out the back. What he does do incredibly well, he is brave. Mm. He does not care. He comes for that ball no matter what's around him. He helps out his teammates when they're under pressure in the corners of, by the corner flag. He's right there to help them. His accuracy of his passing when he faces his own goal is actually quite good. You know, but when we're a little bit further up the pitch, when I'm expecting to put that killer ball over the top, it isn't happening. So, again, Arsenal, I always felt Arsenal would develop past him. We're not there yet. But it's, I, can see, I can see where we're going to be there in, in a year's time. I think, I think there's a limit to him. And it's stopping us going to the next phase. But let's see how we progress in the transfer market. Because then, if other midfielders come in, he may develop into a different role, which may suit him a little bit more, less action-packed, less responsibility on him. But Elliot, I, I'm starting to key on him, not because I like picking on players, I don't like picking on players, just that I can see opportunities for us to break lines and break through, and we can't reach the runners that we have. And that's partly his responsibility, because he has always been slow and a bit lumpy, but he can always pass, he can always fade it, he can always switch play. We're not switching plays, we're not, game. We're not taking the opportunity over the top, we're not doing diagonals. Not many of us can do it apart from our centre-backs. I think that's a development opportunity for our midfielders. Yeah, I mean, this comes back to the point, Clive, that like some people have, everybody has a different way of supporting him. For some people, their attitude is, if he pulls on the Arsenal shirt, I'm 100% behind him. I, I feel that way. Like on the day, during a match, watching them play, I'm rooting for every player to have a 10 out of 10. After the game, when it's time to break it down and analyze it, like I'm going to say, you know, this player doesn't suit my eye, or I thought he played poorly, or this guy's a bum and get him out of the club. And like some people don't ever want that last thing to be said. And I get it. Like that can rub people the wrong way. Like I just, ha- I kind of have that personality. I'm really sorry. But like, I'm not going to say Shaq is a bum. I'm going to say I think that Shaq does put a really clear ceiling on what we can do. And now I think his floor, which used to be pretty high, but his ceiling was pretty low. Like, I think the floor is dropping, meaning that, like, I, I think his worst performance, his lowest level, is now starting to sink to a level that that really does hold us back. And, you know, again, mm. I, Clive, I mean, I do think you have to look at the Liverpool team that was on the pitch and judge them not by the shirts they're wearing, but by the names on the back of the shirts. And I think it could have been a little more of a domineering performance by us in some ways. Now, there's a couple of things I want to get to. One is Leno. Like, I mean, the goalkeeper is a player. So getting out shot 16 to 6 isn't great, and we are going to have to have a long conversation at some point about whether Arteta has to start changing the patterns of play to emphasize the attacking end of the pitch, having tried to create more structure. I I mean, you keep saying, Clive, I see what we're trying to do. I like that. I see the patterns of play. I see the approach. And I agree. He's, He's really solidified what that is. Now we have to ask if it's working, because this... This thing where where we shoot between six to eight times a game, it's you know it's 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 problematic. So fine, but the goalkeeper is a player, and he faced seven shots on target, and he was brilliant. So is it nice? Do you think for Leno to have a couple of games like this where he reminds us of his quality, so that we don't have to spend the whole season? The joke on Twitter that was so tedious by, by like the third shot was, you know, oh Emmy would have caught that. Emmy would have punched that in the Liverpool's net. Like, can we finally just put that to rest and admit that? We let one keeper go on and, and do what's best for his career. We kept the other one, and he's good, and we should be happy to have him. Yeah, absolutely. I think we we it's hard for us to watch this team um, develop, by the way. And 
you know, by the way, we're winning most games when we're developing. We've won a trophy or two while we're developing. We've won lots against big teams. The only time I got upset was after Brighton. And one of the reasons why I was upset is I thought we threw away an opportunity that we had no need to throw away. And we ended up losing our potential player of the year on the very same day for stupidity. You know, and um, and I was devastated when we lost Leno that day. I thought, oh my goodness, he's it. You know, Pampa Bamyang, he's carrying us. And things change. Now the guy gets opportunity, Martinez comes in, and none of us are going to forget the period when he played in. But Leno's a, a very good goalkeeper. He does it his way, and he shows what he can do in, in the goal. I never had any doubts about him. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say I'd never had any doubts. What I would say is... He's a very good goalkeeper. I do like Martinez. I do like his, you know, he looks bigger. He's powerful. But Leno is also a very good player. And I think he's just more experienced. He played many, many more games. And Arsenal obviously put their, put their lot behind him. And I've got no problem with that. You know, they've got professionals there. Every single day work with these guys. You know, the club and the players know who the guy is. You know, you can, I'm telling you now, at training, everyone knows the hierarchy. Everyone knows who the best keeper is, who the one they can't beat. They know. Everyone knows in the club. And it's just when we see games and we try to realise, you know, that's we try to make our judgments. That's all we can do. But within the club, they know everything. They know the details and the data, know everything. You know, the jumping, the bounding, the accuracy, or everything's there. They've got it over a period of time. Very simple decision for them to make. Potentially, if there's an offer from a Premier League club, like there was some Martinez that we could probably reinvest. And if we look, we talk in this time next week, we can have a different opinion if we've used that money appropriately. You know, so um, watching the team develop and coming back to the point about shots, it is something we do need to talk about. At some it's point. A, it's a conversation we have to have. And 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 before you get into it, can I just say this? Like, mm. I think we are going to have to be grown ups. I, I say we. I have no ability to do that. But those of you listening, I hope. Where we can start to have conversations about the pain points in this team and the things that aren't working without people defaulting to, oh, no, you're criticizing Arteta, so I have to hate this section of the pot. Or it's wrong. Like, there's some things this team needs to improve on. And I will tell you, if we're shooting six, seven times a game come December, there's going to be a lot more angst and frustration, and we're going to start to see all the usual recriminations and finger-pointing. So I don't want to get there. I just want to analyze it in, in, a, in a more... Um, neutral kind of way emotionally which is just we all agree the, the clubs are moving in the right direction under Arteta but this this part of the game is a problem and I read some interesting things Clive that some of the analytics guys I followed said you know it's interesting you can watch Arsenal and you can clearly see the progress you can see the progress in the build-up and they're in good positions and they make pretty shapes and some of the things make a lot of sense and then you look on the at the data in the game and you're like gosh they didn't create anything and so I am sympathetic to the fact that you say no I, I see progress and I agree but this this inability to to create difficulty for the opposition to to put them in jeopardy is something that I think we have to address. So for you, is it a personnel issue or can the system be tweaked to fix it? I, I don't. I think it's a bit of both. Um, I don't think it's too much systemic because we're quite fluid systemically, and, and that will continue. But let me give an example. You tell me that chance that we. Beautiful chance on the left-hand side. Comes to Pepe. He crosses it back to Willock. His first time touch off to Eddie and Ketty, right right-hand side of the box. He hesitates. Doesn't get a shot off. Tries to go around the keeper. Comes back. Nothing happens. Mm. That, that's zero shot. Yeah. Nothing happened in that build-up that tells you anything wrong with the system or what we did. We sliced them. Didn't get a shot. 
right? So that's on the highlight package there on the dot com. We didn't get a shot. This happens quite a lot with us. We're quite nearly at the top end. This is what I'm talking to you about. This one, my eyes are keen on certain players. I'm not keen on El Nenny because I know El Nenny can't play those passes over the top. So we know what he is continuity, rat a tat tat, keep it moving. Be there, release valve for your defenders, underlap, underpin, support, punch it square round the horseshoe. I'm not having a go at him for which is 50 yards because it's never been his game. It has or, been or forward game. passes. Let's let's remember. Yeah, he's he's improving. He's been told he's improved on the forward passes, but it's never been his game. He's only playing because Gwendozi is stupid. That's why he's playing. If Gwendozi was there, he'd be doing that role. Very similar, bit more step in him bit more forward thinking what's to carry the ball he should be playing for Arsenal on the right hand side of our midfield you know well he should be he should be three for two with Granduzzi in there with Sabias and Shaka and, and and hopefully a new signing that's what we should have at the base of our midfield but we don't because he's he's been an idiot so we got we got on any who can do a similar job but it has limits to it I'm not having a go at him I'm I'm keen on Chaka because he has the ability to switch. He has the ability to drill that ball over the top. He has the range of pass. And we we accepted his limitations because he had that range of pass. And I'm just not seeing it. So we're not seeing the execution we need to see. We're not seeing the tidiness. We're not seeing the efficiency. So I don't think it's systemic. I think it's quality, efficiency, and decisions. And so we need some added quality in those areas. So, so what have we done? You got a free transfer, thirty-two-year-old from Chelsea, who's is a chance creator. We stuck him on the outside. I'm not so sure about that myself. I think he should be on the inside. I think he's quite intelligent. Why are we putting a player on the outside? Asking him to track Andy Robinson. Stupid. Not for me. Right. So, get him on the inside of the pitch. Get him in an armchair. Get him to use his brains and experience to help us create and chances. Tempo. You know, I mean, I, I yeah. think that's a part of the exactly. game that's important. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Keep young legs on the outside. We've got loads of them keep them on the outside and so again quality in these areas I, i'm a huge fan of the back three but the way we play back three we don't really do that we play a we start over three nominal three which goes to a five and goes to four depending if we have the ball so it doesn't really matter anymore but we need to find out who our defenders are and i think that's developing really quickly i think gabriel will be that first choice left side to center half pinned on the outside and a bit more traditional shall we say and midfielders in front I think at that point we start to see different levels of quality it's a quality issue for me Elliot it's a quality and a limits issue and mm. I do feel you know maybe I've got Liverpool in my mind today with their recent sale and I know it's a tough market I know Covid's come along and but we do we do have to keep these players around a long time sometimes even though we know that I'm not saying not good enough I think we know who they are. We need to be a bit more opportunistic. And there's something, I'm not, Ted's words never left me actually. We shouldn't be afraid of the churn. We shouldn't be Don't afraid, be afraid to, to turn kill these your guys around. That's what he said. And I, yeah, I we, mean, we shouldn't be afraid to turn these things around. You know, I like most of the players, but I, I don't love any of them really. Um, but maybe a Bammy Yang's the one that really defines the club. But, you know, I just want to see us recognize people's limits sooner. And then churn them. I know it's a difficult time. It's easy to say that when there is no market in Spain, there is no market in Germany. They're stealing players of us on loan and waiting us to give them the full price in cash in one lump. 
And we're getting taken the mickey out of it. We, we lack a bit of strength. But I do think we need to be recognised. Well, it's becoming more apparent the limits in some of our players. And I say that without critiquing them because they've had a fantastic run and continue to do so. And are one of the most formed teams in the country. And I will say this to you. Liverpool respected us this week, hugely. Respected us on Monday and respected us on Thursday. Liverpool haven't respected Arsenal for a long time. We're, we are a coming force. We may not always recognise it, but we are. Klopp recognises it. These teams are starting to look at us and say, what's going on here? This coach is good. But now we need to give the coach some tools because at the moment he's saving some dead bodies. We need to give him something that makes him look good. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have to tell you, I mean, I think watching that video with you yesterday was actually kind of eye-opening for me because you see a player with real technical quality, like clean first touch, receive on the half turn, burst past a man, uses both feet. I mean, the way Awar can use both feet, like watching that video with you and doing that scouting episode, like it really made me realize something that I think I've known, but you, you forget from time to time, which is just... This is a 22, 23-year-old kid who looks the business and has the skills, and, and maybe he doesn't always do it, but he can go to the top and take a team to the top. Like I look at our players, and I, I, I am really sorry to say this. It gives me no joy, but there are a lot of mediocre players that we find reasons to like who don't have the touch, the control, the two-footedness, the range of passes, can punch it forward, can can see the pitch clearly and know where the right option is. Uh, weight of pass, you know, so it's not grinding to a halt coming to the feet of a player. Um, I I think the technical level has to come up, and that is clear. And so I do have sympathy for Arteta, who has built a functional side and a functional system and a system that can get us results, but is is now going to have to be tweaked, I think, to make us more dangerous. And the question is, do we have the players to do that? I think playing a two in midfield you know, when two of the three players you're picking from are Shaka and Elneny and, and the limitations they have, that's really tricky. And who drops in between the lines to give them an option? Because it's been Lacazette. That doesn't work. If you play Aubameyang up front, he can't do it. You could do it the Chelsea way where the wide players come interior to provide the forward option, but then do you leave yourself too exposed to, to counterattacks and attacks down the wings? Like, it's, it's hard. It's pick your poison with a team that has these challenges. But... We are through the next round to play City. And uh, as we know, they can't knock us out of a cup. They they really can't. They just don't have the ability. So that's, you know, on to the, what would it be, the, the final, I guess, at that point? Semi-final? Semi-final, semifinal yeah. yeah. Um, one leg of this. Yeah, yeah piece, of, piece of piss. But so um, let's talk about the, the penalty shootout just for a minute because I think of the entire day, that was the most enjoyable thing. I can't help but think that the lack of fans in the stadium is having a big impact on these penalty shootouts because uh, the penalties are mostly... Really, really excellent, El Nenny's aside. But the highlight is, of course, of course, of course, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. Um, is it possible to be too calm taking a penalty? Like, I was worried that his pulse was dropping too low. I mean, how do you explain Maitland-Niles? And it's funny, right? There were times where we were like, maybe he's lazy, maybe he's sloppy, because we'd watch him play and he just seemed so calm. But then you see him take a penalty and you're like, no, he just, he's just an unfazed guy. I mean, it... Is he too unfazed? Like, explain to me how this happens. How do you approach a penalty with that degree of ice in your veins? It's unbelievable. It's a joy to watch. <laughs> yeah, he's just a South London street book cage footballer. That's what he is. It's been an arsenal all his life. There's loads of kids like him in London that play that way and play that style. 
and um, he's managed to take it to the Premier League. And um, he's a, he's an inter- he's an interesting player. I you know I, I I like the journey of that player. I just like what he what he does on on the pitch. Um, frustrates me to death sometimes. I sometimes think you know do you know how good you could be? I say that, and he's one of two players in the England squad at the moment. So what do I know? He, he's he's starting to make an impression in football. His ability in one-on-one defensively is really quite strong. He has got offensive ability. I think we we ask too much on, on his left foot at times. I think that doesn't come out um, on his on his right foot. I think he's a good partner for Pepe. I also think well, I think all three of them can do, be a good partner for Pepe. Actually, I think Cedric is not as bad as you think, and uh, <laughs> Bellerin has improved. Um, so. Yeah, I I um I like what he does there. I just think um it shows level of arrogance. And your point about the crowd, you might not be able to hear the crowd giving you stick, which just becomes a murmur in your ears. But you can hear all the trash talking coming from the coaches, from the support staff, from the other team's players, from the goalkeepers. You can hear all that loud and clear. You could tell there was a little bit of how can we say well trash talking as you Americans call it, shall we say, from other players. <laughs> which maybe you wouldn't hear so clearly if there was a crowd there, if you see what I mean. And that brings its own pressure. So there's lots of smirking and smiling. And Pepe really scared and, down Adrian after his penalty, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Lots of people showing their wares, trying to be cocky. That Curtis Jones fancied himself, didn't he? He's another one. And they, they thought players at this level have got a level of arrogance about them. And so this becomes a different game, a bit more NBA-like, a bit quieter, a bit more, I'm going to show you what I've got. And you can hear this when you're playing on the pitch, even the levels that I help a coach at, there's a lot of chatter that goes on. And this is just able to hear it a lot more across the pitch now. You know, people are going to get the ball. He don't want it. He hasn't got a touch. Take him, take him, take him one-on-one. It just goes on all the time. It's constant. It's mental pressure all the time trying to knock people off their game, you know. And um, So, yeah, no crowd is one thing, but but players you can hear much more clearly. So it's a just different different type of pressure. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the penalty shootout. And, I mean, I think if you want to be if you want to be fair and criticize some things about Arsenal, the other thing you can say on the flip side is like, this was a team that had a glass jaw and now we don't seem to have a glass jaw. Like there has seems to be a little character and what takes more character than winning a penalty shootout. It's basically a pure show of character because they can all put them in the corner. Honestly, like these players are all good enough to put them in the corner. So it is, it is a show of character. Uh, and we came out ahead because we have more character than those chumps at Liverpool who, uh, quite frankly, now cannot win the quintuple like we can. Cannot even win the quadruple like we can. All they have left is a treble. Might as well pack it in, Cloppy. You're going to say something, Clive? <laughs> no, I'm just laughing oh, good, at okay. your assessment. Of your assessment, but I will, I will say again, Liverpool are starting to uh, take us seriously, and that's uh, that may be the the best measuring stick of all. Quick uh, drips and drabs of news here, and and really the only thing is a rumor, and it is just a rumor, so I don't know if it'll um, if it's real or not, because that's how rumors work in football, but. Rumors of Saliba potentially going out on loan back to France. I don't... I hate having an opinion about something that I haven't had time to really think through enough and also when I'm just reacting to a rumor. Um, You know, his mother tragically passed uh, this past summer, I think in May. He's 19 years old. I lived in Paris when I was 20. I got really homesick. I think it can be a difficult adjustment, let alone when you're dealing with the passing of a parent at such a young age, which uh, I, I have not had to deal with, thank God, but I know some people have, and it's it's incredibly difficult. I think it is hard to know 
if he's looking like someone who's just in the right place mentally on the pitch, on the training ground where Arteta feels it would be unfair to put him in the line of fire. The fact that he's not making squads on match day, I I can't believe he went from looking like a really good, ready-to-go defender in League One to being so bad in training that he can't play for us. It just doesn't... It's hard to imagine how that would have happened. I think if he was looking good in training, he'd be playing unless there's another reason, and the reason could be that he's having a hard time. And you hate to speculate about someone uh, emotionally, but I think there's enough uh, evidence there to suggest that could be the case. Clive, um, I don't think anybody saw the career path for for Saliba at Arsenal being anything other than coming in and being uh, Pete Cannavaro right away, but that's not going to happen now. And and as Giant Gunner pointed out, Matt, um, teenagers don't tend to play in the Premier League at center back. That just doesn't happen. So it's not the end of the world if he has to go out again. Um, He can still have a huge future with us. He's incredibly young and he signed a very long contract. But... How disappointed would you be? And if you had to guess, do you think that this is more about an acclamation between the ears than it is about an acclamation from a a, a talent standpoint? Yeah, it seems like um, a situation born from many years of watching Mustafi. Mustafi went into our net. We, we knew his kid was in the background. We know he's the right center half, so we've got him in the team. Bang, there you go, done. Circumstances have decided that. But Taffy recovered very well towards the end of last season, but we still knew we had Saliba coming. And with Gabriel coming, we've got our first 11s on lineup 11 already out there, right? So, but actually, he's he's a player that really lost in nearly a year of football. It's as simple as that. And um, although he didn't go on holidays this summer, he came back and worked really hard to get to a level. Um, I've, I've watched full games of him play. And I've got no doubts about his talent. But something's obviously happened on a personal level with, with his family. And it's a tough time at the moment with travel, with COVID, etc. Who knows what's going on in the background there? And the fact he's not made to squad, we, we don't even know if he's even in the country at the moment. You know, could, could be some things going on. I'd rather think it's more of a non-footballing issue. The Ren story surprised me, actually. Um, I've since read, again, same rumours as you, but I may be one rumour ahead of you, that Wren have going to sign Daniel Regani from Juventus, which closes the door on the, um, the Saliba loan. Mm. But the fact that story's out there makes you realise, whoa, you know, what what does the pathway look like? You know, Under 23 football doesn't work for anybody anymore, not for a boy that's six foot four. Mm -hmm. It's not going to work for him. He'll be playing against 18-year-old kids, right? So how does he get games if he's not quite ready? It's a big challenge for somebody like that. So I think the best thing to do for me, if I was Arsenal, I'd keep him within the club. I would keep him within our environment. I would make sure he works hard in training, and I would would develop in that way. I thought yesterday was a great opportunity for him without the other things going in the background, which I'm not aware of. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I just like to see him. Um, I'm glad the club are looking after his well-being. That's the most important thing. And although we've all got high expectations and we all want to see him, they can wait as far as I'm concerned because the well-being of that individual is the most important thing. And I also seem to do a much better job with taking the time with young players. I do think there's a, a separate discussion to have about creating the right pathways contracting people, having a better loan squad decisions much sooner so we don't end up in the Balogun situations because that's just happening too many times. But with this kid, I think, well, from speaking and reading and knowing people that know him way better than me, nobody doubts his talent. It's just a matter of where is he 
mentally and emotionally with a new country, a new club. And I just think the people that see him every day will be able to to work out. But I hope he does it within our umbrella. I don't want to see him go alone, if I'm honest. I want to see him settle, learn the language, learn his teammates. Because his future for me at the club is solidified when he gets the right opportunity at the right time so he can accept it and take it. And um, So, yes, yeah, so I hope it works out for him. I'm, I'm sure it will. And when it does, I think we're going to be massively, I'll say surprised, but it's going to be really impactful because he just has a style of play which you can't ignore. And I, and I can't wait to see him. I just love how he plays. I love how he takes the ball from people. I love how, I love how he doesn't make fouls. He's just a really calm influential, forceful player with presence and real personality. And that doesn't disappear. He's just having a bit of a struggle potentially off the pitch. Yeah. And I mean, the only reason I don't think it's necessarily his playing levels, like you could give him six games in the Europa League. You could give him some domestic cups. You know, that gets you seven, eight starts. You know, maybe he's looking good. So you get him a couple of starts in the Premier League. I don't think it'd be hard to nurse him to 10 starts and a couple sub appearances, and suddenly you say, "I'd rather have him at the club, learning than have him out on loan." I, I just honestly, I think the problem is Clive. Like, if he's going through a really hard time, and he's not only going through loss, but he's he's in a foreign country, and there's language barriers, and there's you know acclimation issues. Like, then it could make sense to put him in a position where. He, he can play his football and get healthy emotionally. And again, I don't, I don't want to speculate about where he is. I'm not talking about like clinical depression or anything. You go through hard things in life, you're going to struggle, like especially at 19. God, think about what it's like to be 19 years old. Um, yeah. You know, I was 19 years old in 1927, and, you know, we were going through uh, the Roaring Twenties, and then all of a sudden it was the Great Depression, and it got, it got very difficult. Um, anyway, enough of that. Um, you know what? That's an hour on the League Cup and a little on Saliba, and we're going to do a monster live stream on deadline day where I will just pipe in uh, crickets chirping and tumbleweeds blowing. You know what I would do? Run, don't walk to Patreon. Give it a try. you got a whole uh, month ahead of you right now to try everything. you got the instant reaction pods, which are, which are fun, but you really should check out Clive doing the business on the um, OR scouting video because I, I, I thought that was pretty cool content. Um, and the rewatches are fun. So yeah, get in there if you can, and we'd really appreciate it. And if you can't, by the way, you're going to have two of these every week. I'm sorry. Whether you like it or not, they're coming at you. So there's something for everyone. We just love you for being here, and thanks so much for that. So Clive's on Twitter, Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Give us five-star review, write nasty things about, you know what, Tim. He wasn't here today. Write about him. And uh, yeah, just lots and lots of fun stuff. We're just going to keep churning out stuff about the Arsenal. Uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves, is how I like to say it. So uh, hang in there, everybody. Sheffield at the weekend. Easy 10-0 victory. That's why I will now say we love you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Sheffield United, nil. No.